just want to begin by just saying it's it's really a privilege to be here with you guys today, and and uh, I it's no secret for those that know me well that I hold uh, Pastor Jeremy and uh, Good Shepherd Church in a very very high esteem. So when he asked me to tag team with him in doing this conference, it was uh, without exaggeration. It was it was an honor, uh, and. I just told Jeremy after his session just now, I said, in, in football terms, if you're familiar with football, when a quarterback's at the, at the line of scrimmage and he's called a play in the huddle, but he decides he wants to call a different play, he, they, they call it calling an audible. And so the quarterback yells out a bunch of stuff and everybody knows we're changing the, we're changing the play. Well, I just told him I wanted to call an audible after his first session and the audible would be, he's teaching the rest of the seminar. <laughs> And I'm just going to sit here and take it in. That was truly worth your effort to come out on a cold morning. It was worth my effort to come. And uh, thank you, brother. I was just thinking, you know, uh, some 15-plus years ago, uh, Jeremy and Jenny came to Whatcom County. That was a major gift to our county. And, and this church has continued to be that. So you, you're blessed. If you're fellowshipping here regularly, you're blessed uh, to be here. So... Um, I want to affirm all you guys. I mean, Saturdays are a premium. You know, you're busy, and especially today, it's cold. It would have been easy to snuggle together and get some extra sleep, perhaps. And you chose to come here. And I want to just affirm you for that humility and wisdom uh, to say, hey, you know, I want some encouragement. Hopefully, Jeremy and I just want to blow wind in your spiritual sails. But um, I trust that the Lord will reward you and your children always maybe dots we can't connect, but because you chose to be here, God will bless you. And I have to give the same disclaimer he gave, just bear with me uh, at the beginning. I, I am by no means a parenting uh, expert. I don't consider myself um, to be that. I, the things that I'm gonna share this morning, uh, now and later, um, I didn't execute perfectly. In fact, I have six adult children. They're all married, have kids of their own. Um, if they were sitting here listening this morning, they might say something like, who is that guy and what did he do with my dad? I mean, um, in other words, I, <laughs> I didn't do all the things right. But in honesty before God, my wife and I, Maureen, uh, actually, if we believed in women preachers, she'd be up here and I'd be sitting. But I'll do the talking. But she and I together... We did a lot of things right um, over the years, but we didn't get it all right, right? Uh, we got things wrong. We were sinners, and our kids, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, our kids grew up in a family where they knew that they weren't the only sinners. Uh, Maureen and I were very careful to reiterate, mom and dad are sinners. Uh, we're in just as much need of a savior as you are. Uh, we're in this thing together, and um, if anything, uh, that bred this practice in our home that we dubbed keeping short accounts with our sin. So if anything, our kids learned from us uh, by our example and by our teaching was how to practice the gospel. Um, our children learned how to admit they were wrong, how to confess sin uh, to each other and to make things right in the family and, and with God. And so if nothing else, we've said this, if nothing else, 
they learned how to own sin and confess and make things right. And that really is the essence of practicing the gospel as you go through life. As they got married, now it's, it's really fun. It's really cool. They're all six of them married. Um, and their spouses tell us they know how to confess and ask for forgiveness and make things right. And they're raising little ones. We've got a brood of grandkids. That, Lord willing, by July will be 15 grandkids. And they're learning. They're being taught these same things. So that's a, that's a blessing. So as flawed of a father as I am, and I have to say it's one of my favorite things to do is to talk parenting, mostly in the living room with people. Uh, but if, every once in a while I get an opportunity like this to come and talk to a group. But I, I love talking about parenting because I'm thoroughly convinced it is the highest calling God gives to a person that is gifted with children. Um, if I'm gifted with singleness and I'm, or I'm not able to have children, then that's a different story. There's higher giftings and higher callings and higher blessings. But if God has called you to be a parent, I'm convinced there's no greater calling in all the world. And um, I was blessed to be a pastor for a lot of years. Um, and I trust that there's some fruit from that. But I'm, I'm convinced that by God's grace, my biggest contribution to the kingdom of God in this world was the raising of my six kids. Um, on my deathbed, I will have no regrets that I did my best to throw my heart into my parenting, into being a dad. And um, I trust that's true of you, and I think it probably is, or else you wouldn't be here on a 10 below morning. Um, you have that same desire. You want to throw your heart into the rearing of your children. You want to, by example and by precept, you want to raise your kids in the ways of the Lord. So that's, that's awesome. All right. Jeremy told us about the uh, mission of Christian parenting. Uh, again, an outstanding job. We're going to talk about the mindset of Christian parenting. So if you want to look at your outline there, we're going to quickly go through this. Um, materials, but I've, I've uh, narrowed this down to seven points that I think seven points that should permeate the heart and mind of every parent, and um, I'm kind of a sucker for alliteration, so they all start with a letter S. Um, so the, 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 the outline will go through, they all start with a letter S, and I'll pack them. But the first, the first uh, point of mindset is a standard, the standard. And again, there's going to be some overlap even with what Jeremy just uh, uh, taught us because we're singing from the same sheet of music. We're preaching from the same book. And this first point is the standard is the Word of God. Uh, the Bible is our standard for parenting. It is our playbook. It is our owner's manual. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, and for parenting, add that in from, uh, by implication, so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. Friends, our parenting must be grounded in the Bible. Everything Christian parents need to know to raise their children in a godly manner is found in the Bible. And by this, I want to say that we need to be embracing for ourselves sound theology, sound practice and study and embrace of sound theology. For example, 
um, understanding the doctrine of total depravity. You say, well, what would that have to do with parenting? Well, we just heard it has everything to do with parenting. We need to understand that our children are not born neutral. They're not born good. They're born sinners and in desperate need of a savior. So we need to be grounded in the word of God on a, a host of doctrines. That's just one of them. Another example would be that the world tells, our, uh, tells us that we should be building up the self-esteem of our children, uh, while the Bible actually warns us against self-love. Uh, the, the Bible tells us to deny self and to esteem Christ and to esteem others. So that's, that's very, very important. We need to be well-versed in the gospel. I, I would just challenge you, uh, we just heard Jeremy encourage us, I would challenge you, do you know how to give a cogent, uh, cookies on the lower shelf, whatever age your children, explanation of the gospel. Like right now, if I said no warning, no prep time, you right now, I'm going I'm to bring your six-year-old in. Can you explain to them a well-balanced, thorough gospel message that they can understand at their age? That's what we need to be doing. When I say standard, that's the Bible. It's for us, it's for them, and we need to understand it. Uh, another example, the world would say that uh, chastisement, uh, spanking's an old word I still use and I'm old school, but um, I know you've got to be careful with the word of spanking. We'll talk about that later. But the world says, no, that's, that's abuse. Well, the Bible has a quite a different teaching, does it not? It teaches us that it is love to discipline our children. We need to be grounded in the standard of the Bible. Don't let uh, talk show hosts teach you how to raise your kids. We need to understand from the word of God. And the, there's just a ton of secular, pragmatic, parroting paradigms out there that are prevalent in the world. We need to be uh, um, buoyed against them and, and strengthened against those philosophies. So we need to be well grounded in the word, constantly renewed in the word. Now, I found this kind of interesting when we say this. When I say we need to be, have our parenting grounded in the Bible, um, years back, I, I read a book, Gospel Power Parenting by Bill Farley, William Farley. Excellent book. I highly recommend it. I'll quote from it later. But it was interesting that Bill Farley pointed out the obvious. He said that only, there are really only two direct references to parenting in the New Testament. I thought that was interesting. Here they are, Ephesians 6.4, fathers do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then Colossians 3.21, Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. There you have it. The sum total of direct parental instruction in the New Testament. Two verses. That's surprising to me when I just realize it in view of the fact that parenting and raising children is of such extreme importance in life. If you have children, it consumes 20 plus years of your life. So why isn't there more than just two sentences written about such a crucial topic in the New Testament? And the answer is, there are more than two sentences. They just aren't labeled parenting, right? What I mean by that is that parenting is ultimately about evangelizing and discipling children. This is of supreme, the supreme purpose and goal of every father and mother. The greatest need our sons and daughters have is to possess an authentic saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and to cultivate a vibrant relationship with him. In other words, parenting is gospel-centered pastoral ministry. 
And that kind of ministry is addressed and fleshed out throughout the New Testament, leading people to genuine salvation in Jesus Christ and building them up in their faith is what consumed the lives of men like Paul and Peter and James and John, and their evangelistic pastoral ministry is a powerful example for every dad and every mom to imitate as they raise their sons and daughters. So, for example, when you read a familiar evangelistic or discipleship text like Colossians 1, 28 and 29, it has application to your parenting. Don't read over Colossians 1.28 and go, I'm looking for parenting instruction. There you have it. We proclaim him, Paul said, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving to according to his power which mightily works within me. That is a wonderful parenting text. That is great instruction for dads and moms. Like, like Paul, we labor and present, to present every son and daughter complete in Christ. So in fact, the Bible is loaded with parental instruction, and we need to have that as our standard. I just want to say one thing uh, before we move on to point two. My wife said, to me, just before I got up here, she's smirking right now, she said, honey, don't spend too much time on point one. You always spend too much time on point one in your sermons, and you never get to point two and three. So she knows I have seven points. She said, don't spend too much time. So I've already spent too much time. Anyway, um, I'm going to say this one more thing, and then we're going to go to point two. And this is just kind of a, a sub thing here. We're in a parenting seminar. We're learning about parent getting a uh, a jump into the, uh, the pool, swimming and parenting instruction. There are books and conferences and podcasts and everything in our world to help us with parenting. I want to just encourage us with this. Parenting's not that complicated. Okay? And this is coming from a guy that's talked a lot about parenting, reads about parenting. I love going to conferences and stuff. So I'm not poo-pooing those things at all. But I'm just going to encourage us. Parenting isn't that complicated. It's hard. It takes all your blood, sweat, and tears. But it's not that complicated. I think 150 years ago, people like us, Christians, 150 years ago, didn't have parenting books. They didn't have podcasts. They didn't have parenting seminars. They, what did they have? They had the Bible and the Holy Spirit, and prayer, and the body of Christ. So, I, what, what are you saying? I'm, I'm just stepping back and just saying, just for your encouragement, we have all we need. What our children need from us is to love the Word of God, and love the God of the Word. That's what our children need. They need us to model a love for the Word and a love for God. They need us to pray our hearts out for them because we know we have no ultimate power, we'll talk about this later, to save them and sanctify them. They need us to be involved in the body of Christ so that others would come alongside and model and help and encourage and strengthen us. That's what we need. So parenting is not that complicated. We can make it complicated, but it's really not that complicated. You, so you parent, Jeremy exhorted us perfectly 
You parent, you pursue Christ, you pursue the word, you pray your heart out, you be plugged into the local church, you model this for them, and God will take care of the rest. Secondly, second point in your outline, you need to have a stewardship mindset, a stewardship mindset. Christian parents must have a mindset of stewardship. We are rearing God's children and we will give an account to God for how we parent them. I can't improve upon what Paul Tripp has written in his book, uh, Parenting. Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Really Radically Change Your Family. Um, I can't improve on what he said in terms of stewardship and being what he calls an ambassador. By the way, um, I don't have this power to make any of us do anything. But I would really encourage you, if I did have the power to require you to read this book, I would require you. Um, it's a, actually not a very long book. It's 14 chapters, and it's, but they're shorter chapters, and it's just excellent. Parenting by Paul Tripp. But this is what he writes. Parenting is ambassadorial work from beginning to end. It is to be shaped and directed by it is not to be shaped and directed by personal interests, personal need, or cultural perspectives. Every parent everywhere is called to recognize that they have been put on earth at a particular time in a particular location to do one thing in the lives of their children. What is that one thing? It is God's will. Here's what that means at street level. Parenting is not first about what we want for our children or from our children, but what God in his grace, has planned to do through us in our children. To lose sight of this is to end up with a relationship with our children that at foundational level is neither Christian nor true parenting because it has become more about our will and our way than about the will and way of our sovereign Savior King. Earlier on, he says this. He says, good parenting, which does, which does what God commands it, Excuse me. Good parenting, which does what God intends it to do, begins with this radical and humbling recognition that our children don't actually belong to us. Rather, every child in every home, everywhere on the globe, belongs to the one who created him or her. Children are God's possession for his purpose. That means that his plan for parents is, what we would, is that we would be his agents in the lives of these ones that have been formed into his image and entrusted to our care. The word that the Bible uses for this intermediary position is ambassador. It really is the perfect word for what God has called parents to be and to do. The only thing an ambassador does if he or she is interested in keeping his job is to faithfully represent the message, methods, and character of the leader who sent him. He is not free to think, speak, or act independently. Everything he does, every decision he makes, every interaction he has must be shaped by this one question. What is the will and plan of the one who sent me? The ambassador does not represent his own interest his own perspective, or his own power. He does everything as an ambassador, or he has forgotten who he is, and he will not be in that position for long. So I really appreciate that about Paul Tripp. 
Stewardship, a mindset. We're talking about a mindset for parenting. Oh, these are not my children. There's God's children. Oh, and he loves them more than I do. I am to represent his message, his character, his power, and his goals. Our job is to be ambassadors. Okay, number three, sovereignty. A third facet of a Christian parent's mindset is sovereignty. We must believe and rest in the truth that our God is a loving, wise, sovereign God. His ways and timing do not always match ours. We must work hard at parenting, but we are not ultimately in control of our children's hearts and destiny. God is. And again, he loves them more than we do. We need to recognize our parenting efforts are limited, are they not? The fruit ultimately is the work of God alone. To him be the glory. Here's a great quote. I think I have it on your outline from Bill Farley in his book I mentioned just a moment ago, Gospel-Powered Parenting. It's just a wonderful balance for us on this issue. Farley writes, God is sovereign, but parents are responsible. God's sovereignty is our hope. Parents are utterly dependent on God. He can save any child no matter how dark the circumstances. On the other hand, God normally reaches children through their parents. It is, a fatal, it is fatal to presume upon God's sovereignty by neglecting parental faithfulness. Yet it is also a mistake to assume that it all depends on us. It doesn't. In fact, none of our efforts will prevail unless God bestows the gift of faith on our children. We are utterly dependent and responsible at the same time time, end quote. That is really, really good. I would, I would contend that, that uh, soaking in the truth of God's sovereignty is an amazing comfort to parents in, in life. Um, if, if you're parenting for very long, you're going to come across difficult times, difficult, difficult moments, difficult seasons, heartbreaking things. Things are going to challenge you. They're going to keep you up at night and in your cry yourself to sleep. But if you have an understanding of the sovereignty of God, you recognize that what seems to be out of control in the life of your child or in your family is not out of control. Things are not falling apart, as, as uh, Tripp would say. They're falling into place. God is sovereign over the hearts of your children. And just one example of this, and if, if you've been observant, and I'm sure you have, you know families where... There's multiple children in the family, and they're grown up, and you look and you say, okay, I, for example, I, I got one family in my mind, I won't say their name, but they have four kids. Two of the kids love Jesus with all their heart, the other two hate Jesus. And I'm going, what up? They, they were raised in the same family, same parents, same love. I know this family intensely. These parents are godly, good parents. Flawed, yes, but dedicated, absolutely. Two of the children love Jesus, two of them don't. Well, how do you, how do you deal with that in your heart <laughs> if you're a parent? Well, one of the ways, not the only way, but one of the ways you go, they're God's children. I'm an ambassador. I'm, I'm just a steward, and God is sovereign. He's going to do with these children as he wants. I'm still going to cry my tears, 
still going to be heartbroken, but I'm not going to be paralyzed with guilt and, and uh, throw the towel in on my Christian life because my children didn't follow the Lord. This is a mindset that is absolutely necessary. God is sovereign and ruling over all things. God is good. God is loving. He's in total control of our entire family and our individual children. Spurgeon would tell us that the sovereignty of God is a soft pillow for parents. Um, We know that he works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All right. A fourth facet of a Christian parent's mindset is sacrifice. Sacrifice. Um, And I would say it's joyful sacrifice rewarded by God. I put this on your outline. Children are a lot of fun and a lot of work. Active biblical parenting is hard work, spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally, and not for the faint of heart. I was thinking about this. I've run into, it seems to be more with dads than it seems moms, but I won't just pick on one gender, but where there's kind of the expectation that this shouldn't be that much work. You know, kids sometimes almost seem like they're an inconvenience. Um, and I want to say, you know, bro, if you didn't want work, you shouldn't have gotten married. And you shouldn't have kids. It's, parenting's not for the faint of heart. Yes, it's a ton of fun, but it, it is a lot of work. And actually, the work you put into it makes it a lot of fun. We live that, we, we learned that over the years. You put in a lot of effort, especially in those younger years and teaching your children and, and obedience and discipline. It actually, it's more fun later on, but it is a lot of hard work. We, I go on in my notes here. We must not be lazy or laissez-faire in our approach. Parenting requires vision, planning, constant evaluation, and good communication between husband and wife. Our parental labor and sacrifice will be joyful unto the Lord and free from a martyr's complex. Um, my wife and I used to say when things were tough and, it, and we were tired and sometimes discouraged and staying up late at night, whether they were late up at night with infants or teenagers, you left up late on both ends of the spectrum, say, this just comes with the territory. This is expected. Sacrifice is what is called of us by the Lord. Children are a precious gift from the Lord. Many of life's greatest joys and memories involve our kids, but it does not mean it's not a lot of work. And again, at every stage, at every age, different work. Um, I don't know the demographic here of how many of you have little ones, real little ones, and how you have teenagers and so on, but... um, I remember thinking when the kids were younger, boy, this would be really great. We'd just get through these early years of diapers and wiping noses and car seats and diaper bags, and, but we'll get past that and it'll be a lot easier later on. <clears throat> well, yes and no. It's a lot easier to get from point A to point B with a teenager because they don't have to have their diaper bag and all that. But you learn it's a lot of work to parent teenagers too. It's just different work, right? It's different work. It's heart work. When they're little, you're always trying to reach your heart from, from toddlerhood up, of course. But it's a lot of logistical work 
when they're young, it's a lot of heart work, soul work. When they're older, the conversations you're having on an intelligent level, you're talking about real things of life. And, and, and so it's a lot of emotional, uh, mental work. Um, so, uh, so if you have little ones, you think, boy, it's so much work. Cheer up. It's going to get worse. It's going to get harder. Um, they're going to become teenagers. No. I, actually, if I had time, we'd have a, a session on teenagers. And I, I, debu- I, I do not like the philosophy that says teenage years, boy, that's just terrible. I mean, just put them in a barrel, put a hole in it, feed them through the hole. It's just terrible. No. We, we raised six teenagers. And was it tough? Yeah. Was it work? Yeah. Tears? You bet. Fun? Yeah. Rewarding? Absolutely. So don't let anybody tell you to dread the teen years. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, okay, all this sacrifice, and I'll go on to number five. Here's the thing. All this sacrifice, is it worth it? Shake your head, yes. It's absolutely worth it. Why? Why is it worth all the sacrifice? Why is it worth the physical effort, the emotional effort, the mental str- Why? Because your kids are eternal. What could be more important than that, right? What could be more important than investing yourself in the eternal souls of people, specifically people under your care, under your stewardship? Every every sleepless night, every tear you shed, every conversation you have, is well worth it in the end result, right? Because your children last forever. And I do, I think about this. On your deathbed, you look back over life, will you regret any of the investment that you placed in your little ones and your older ones? Absolutely not. When death comes and you're about ready to enter into the presence of the Lord, you'll say, I'm grateful. You'll probably say, I wish I would have spent more time doing that and less time with this or that. By the way, before we go, go any further, if you happen to have a child, whether this high or this high, that's consistently bubbling over, expressing their gratitude to you for your multiple sacrifices, you're a very fortunate parent. How many has a child that's just walking around? One in a hundred, right? If you have that child, we should clone them. So I'm saying that because this is all this sacrifice, and it's not a whole lot of thanks from the kids. Now, I will say this. As the kids get older, I would say our older adult kids, from time to time, certainly in Mother's Day cards and birthday cards and that kind of thing, they express thankfulness for the sacrifices. But most often, as they're growing up, they don't. You get your praise from the Lord. You get your affirmation from God. And by the way, husbands, I'll give a little more plug to you. You should be just blowing praise and encouragement and, a, and, and, and support into your, into your wife because she's not getting it from the kids. So let them hear it from you. Number five is sanctification. The next mindset, sanctification. And what's on my mind in this point is is your sanctification, not just your kids' sanctification. I put on your outline there, biblical parenting is as much about your spiritual growth as it is your child's. Uh, 
Children, and I could put also spouses, but children are one of God's choicest tools for conforming us to the image of Christ. Dealing with their sinful hearts often reveals the sin in our own hearts and crowds us to Jesus Christ. Is that not true? How often do we sin far worse than our children in the process of correcting their behavior? Now, maybe I'm an anomaly, but I've run into some other parents that are humble and honest enough to admit that when we've tried to deal with their sin, our sin gets revealed. And that's just one of the ways that God conforms us, crowds us to Christ. And I mentioned earlier, I'll mention again, our kids are not the only sinners in the house. And we should regularly let them know that we truly believe that. Our kids grow up knowing that we are sinners like them. They can see it, but it's good for them to hear us acknowledge that. Uh, I like in, in Tripp's book, he talks about letting our kids know that we're more like them than unlike them. Some parents are, can be so kind of up here and the kids down here that uh, it's discouraging to the children. But we want them to know that we need the Savior as much as they do. We're fellow sinners in the spiritual battle between the spirit and the flesh. We are on their side. We are for them, not against them. We should be extending grace and patience in the spiritual battle. This is great opportunities for, to model for our kids what it means to pursue Christ and practice the gospel. Again, confession, repentance, asking for forgiveness. So my point here in this sanctification thing is that if we're not careful, we get totally focused on our kids and we don't have a focus on ourselves. And I would encourage us to be concerned about our own heart and our own holiness as much as we are about our kids. All right, number six. Sixth mindset is the word I've chosen is seasons. Seasons. In your outline there, I put parenting will include many joyful and difficult seasons. We must maintain a long-term perspective. A hard day, a hard week, or month should not be allowed to discourage or derail us. We must keep doing the right thing because it is the right thing, even if it does not seem like it is working. We must parent by faith and not by sight. We must remember that parenting is a marathon, not a sprint. Parenting is measured not by days, but by decades. And I'm putting this in here because I, in our family, it was easy at times to kind of lose heart, to become discouraged, because all you can see is disobedience and all the things that are, it seems like all the things that are going wrong, and boy, will we ever get out of this, and this child is so difficult, and I just want to encourage us that you can't have that focus. You have to have a long-term focus. Again, parenting is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It happens over years, not in days. Um, Parenting by faith and not by sight. It's the doing the right thing because it's the right thing. A good example is we're going to talk about discipline in the next session. A lot of parents give up on chastisement. They give up on biblical discipline because it, quote, doesn't work. I've been doing this for weeks and months and nothing's happening. Nothing's changing. No, you have to stay faithful. Keep doing the right thing 
because it's the right thing. Um, just because your toddler is insisting on strangling the cat or whatever doesn't mean they're going to end up in prison. You just keep being faithful to teach them and help them. There's an old saying um, that I caught on to years ago, and I really like it. And this is probably good for you younger parents to hear. It's this. The days seem long, but the years go by quickly. The days seem long, but the years go by quickly. When you're up to your elbows in diapers and strollers and stuff, man, those days can seem really long. It's like, man, it's just a grind to pour our hearts into these children. But I'll tell you what, those days seem long. But then you get to where Maureen and I are at. Our, we have six kids ranging in age. 24 is the youngest. The oldest is 34. 34 to 24. And you go, where'd those years go? The days seem long. The years go by fast. I want to encourage you, especially you younger parents, don't give up. Don't lose heart. Keep doing the right thing because it's the right thing. Parent by faith, not by sight. That great theologian, baseball player, Yogi Berra, used to say, it ain't over till it's over. You say, boy, this is really hard. Well, the last chapter hasn't been written in your children's lives. Keep doing what's old. The, the, the proverb, we've heard it already, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And by the way, I know that that's a proverb, not a promise. That may not happen with every child, but generally true. What we can glean from, one principle we can glean from that verse is to keep training, keep training, and training. You may not see the fruit in the immediate. You may not see the fruit in your 10-year-old or your 15-year-old. But when he's old, he will not depart from it. Keep doing the right thing because it is the right thing. Lastly, number seven on my list here is <clears throat> the word satisfaction. This is the mindset we must have. Satisfaction, satisfaction that is in Christ, not in our kids. Put on your outline there. Our satisfaction and joy must be firmly grounded in Jesus Christ, not our children. We must beware of allowing our children to become idols who control our emotional well-being. I find this is very, very important. This, um, this whole idea of who is, uh, what's the controlling thing in your heart. This has much more application than just parenting, of course. But in the parenting realm, often I find discouraged, depressed parents. And you find out why. And you do a little bit of digging, you pull back a few layers of the onion, and you find out that they're getting, they're, they're looking for their children, their children's behavior, their success, their obedience, um, grades in school, uh, you name it. They're looking toward their children to bring them joy. And thankfully, children are a lot of joy, but they can't be the source of our joy. And so when the kids don't get good grades, or they're not obedient, or they're not making the parents look good, they're embarrassing the, kid, the parents in public, they're tanking, you go, whoa. They're looking for their joy in all the wrong places. Our satisfaction as a parent, we need to continually pursue Christ as a source of our joy and satisfaction in life. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord 
always. And again, I'll say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord, not rejoice in our kids. I put on your outline, our identity and our security must be in Jesus Christ, not the performance of our children. This is really important. So if I could be so bold, and I had to, I've had to do this with myself over the years, so I'm not just po- pointing fingers at anybody for myself. If I'm seeing in my heart a downcast, discouraged, depressed kind of feeling in relationship to my parenting, the, the, the fault is not my kids. The fault is mine. The responsibility is mine to get my eyes off of my kids and onto the Lord to find my joy there. And again, this, this idea of identity and idolatry, uh, it's, it's got far-reaching applications beyond parenting, but we're talking parenting right now. I can't have anything other than Christ ruling and reigning in my heart as a source of my joy, because if I do, I'm going to be disappointed ultimately. I'm going to read a couple of quotes from Paul Tripp's book again, and then we'll be, we'll be done here. But Tripp writes, Parenting is a miserable place to look for your identity, if for no other reason than the fact that every parent parents sinners. Children come into the world with significant brokenness inside of them that causes them to push against the authority, wisdom, and guidance of their parents. Parents are looking to their children for identity to tend, tend to take their children's failures personally as if they were done against them intentionally and respond to their children with personal hurt and anger. But the reality is that God simply does not give you children in order for you to feel that your life is worthwhile. Uh, One sip of water here. Another quote here. I hope this is sinking in because I find this is very common in the, in the trenches of parenting, uh, big discouragements. Another place here, Tripp says, if you are not resting in your, uh, in your vertical identity, you will look horizontally, searching to find yourself and your reason for living in something in the creation That could be your possessions, your accomplishments, your career, your spouse, or your children, and the list goes on. The problem with this is that created things were never designed to give you identity. They were never designed to satisfy your heart and give you peace. They were not made to give you meaning and purpose. Every good thing in creation is designed to point you to the one who alone is able to give you identity, peace, and meaning that your heart seeks. And one other quote here. Parents, your children can't give you life. They can't give you sturdy hope. They can't give you worth. They can't give you peace of heart. They can't give you right desires and motivation. They can't give you strength to go on. They can't give you confidence or courage in the middle of a trial. They can't give you that ultimate heart-satisfying love that you long for. I'm going to say it in a way that I hope will get your attention. 
It just never works to ask your children to be your own personal saviors. This is a burden that they will never bear well, and it will introduce trouble and struggle into your relationship with them. Jesus is your life, and this frees you and your children from the burden of asking them to give you what the Savior has already given you. End quote. So, that's the mindset of a parent. You could add to this list, no doubt, the standard, the word of God, stewardship. They're God's children before they're ours. We're ambassadors. We're on a rescue mission. Sovereignty. God is ultimately in control of your children. Yes, we bear our responsibility joyfully, but God is ultimately sovereign over the results. Sacrifice. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears is required to be a parent. Comes with the territory. Sanctification. God's concerned about your growth in holiness as much as he is your children. He wants to grow you in holiness. Seasons come. Seasons go. Parenting is measured in decades, not days. And satisfaction. Find your joy, your ultimate joy and satisfaction, contentment in Christ alone. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what we've already been fed this morning in these two sessions, God. I pray that you'd help all of us to grab a hold of nuggets here and there that would be helpful. We can't probably digest it all and, and, and grab a hold and remember everything, but Lord, I pray you'd help us to grab onto those things that would be most useful for us in the, in the season we're currently in in our parenting. In Jesus' name, amen.